Season 2, Episode 10. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. We believe that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. You're listening to the Show Me Comicast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, writer for ShowMeComics.com, where you can read my Show Me Comics blogs unless I fail to plan my time adequately, in which <laughs> you will not see them. You will just see multiple episodes of the podcast posted. I apologize for that. However, I'm going to learn from those lessons of not meeting my goal on time, and I'm going to change accordingly. Yay! But you can also read a graphic novel that I wrote called Hafu by going to showmecomics.com and purchasing your copy for only $9.99 plus shipping and handling. It's a steal of a deal. And Sam Richardson? Crickets. Sam Richardson is not here, but he has a very good reason. You know what that is? What's that reason? He is training people to fight other people. That's a good reason. It's a pretty good reason. I mean, uh, we talked about my failure to plan. Obviously, these people are not failing to plan. They know that it, at some point in their future, they might have to throw down in a life or death grudge match against one of their mortal enemies. That could be true for anybody. <laughs> that Exactly. But these people are, you know, planning. They're, I feel like we should be training to fight. <laughs> you, you know what? We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, uh, we'll let Sam do the training to fight. Uh, and we'll let those people, you know, prepare where we will not be prepared. Because instead, what we're going to do is prepare for not an upcoming fight, but the upcoming con season. Dun, dun, dun. As in comic book convention season. That's right. It's a Spring is right around the corner. You know, the baseball bats are going to be uh, cracking pretty soon. And also, we'll be cracking open our comic book covers at comic book conventions. I'm excited to say across the country this year. We've got quite a few. Yeah, so we don't want to blow it. <laughs> and just like those people that are training for Mortal Kombat, they don't want to end up bloody and on the floor. We don't want to end up bloody on the con floor with a big stack of comic books that we didn't sell uh, or missed opportunities to meet people and network with them uh, that we didn't do because we failed to plan. Totally. So our con kickoff is something that's going to be very near and dear to my heart uh, because I just had an experience with this actually last week at okay. work. Oh. Uh, and what I'm, I mean is lessons learned. I come from a military background. I spent eight years in the United States Navy. And while I was there, learning from past mistakes and also past successes was just ingrained into me as a way we do business. Uh, my particular job was maintaining our uh, nuclear missile arsenal aboard a ballistic missile submarine. Needless to say, it's pretty important for you to get that job right. <laughs> you know, we, we don't want any broken arrows or anything like that uh, in, in the ocean. So needless to say, like 
but I'm going to say it, which is <laughs> retarded to, to say, needless to say, uh, there was very rigorous attention to detail and also uh, reviewing lessons learned within the nuclear submarine force. Uh, I remember whenever we would go to do a job, even something that seemed routine and mundane, they would make us have what's called a pre-evolutionary brief, mm -hmm. uh, where we would go before the job and basically have a discussion of the planned sequence of events, um, who was going to be defined in which roles. But then also, towards the end of the brief, they would always break out the lessons learned. Uh, this was a database of uh, events that happened within the strategic weapons program uh, where either people did something wrong, sometimes when they did something you know that was particularly right, but they didn't see it coming. We'd pull out of this database, so you'd go, okay, here, we're going to open up a, a missile door and go in and replace... Information classified. So you can query the database, and it would come up with stuff like um, a, most of the examples are classified, unfortunately. Oh, but, wow. So I'll just kind of make a theoretical one. We'll say, can you give uh, us a hint? Yeah, let, let's say the uh, torque setting on a, on a torque wrench was set wrong. Okay. So when they went to... Information classified. They stripped out a screw. Hmm. Doesn't seem like a big deal to strip out a screw unless that screw is inside a nuclear missile. Because normally, what do you do to get a strip screw removed? You can see Tim's handyman side yeah, coming I was out. Say. Uh, you usually have to drill it out. Oh, okay. So, needless to I'm not going to cut that part out. That's <laughs> why. To where I started to say, needless to say, <laughs> because <laughs> apparently that's my new catchphrase. <laughs> and I don't want to say that because, like I said, it's pointless. All right. So, nuclear weapons and drills don't really mix they don't really want you crawling inside a nuclear missile and just drilling holes all over the place so right. it becomes a big deal when you strip out a screw well if you do root cause analysis it was all due to not a material deficiency but the person using the wrong setting on a torque wrench all mm -hmm. right and that was just a theoretical example um so nothing classified there right. but uh, the reason I'm getting into all this... But if you're dealing with nuclear weapons, check your screws. Yeah, just you guys out there that are a little bit worried about nuclear weapons and gals who are worried about nuclear weapons, just know we had the highest standards. Our if, standards if you're in Japan, tighten your screws. <laughs> our standards were so high, we had high double standards. So, uh, But what I'm going to get into now is I noticed, uh, now that I'm out of the military, we had uh, some events at my now job where something didn't go so right. And then we were doing pretty much the exact same thing next week. So after things didn't go so right, they collected their lessons learned. They said, okay, this is where we screwed up. This is where we could improve. This is what we did right. And they collected all that in this nice, pretty-looking lessons learned document. And then what do you think happened next week? Hopefully it went smoother. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Before we even got started, I noticed no one was reviewing the lessons learned. Oh. So what's the point of collecting lessons learned if before you go to do that same evolution again, you don't, you know, go back and recollect and learn from your lessons? Right. That hence the name, lessons learned, Otherwise, right? Otherwise, it's a big waste of time. Yeah. So like I alluded to um, our process a little bit in the Navy, when we're doing a pre-evolutionary brief, we always reviewed it just prior to doing a similar job. Uh, so I, you know, pointed that out in the job I have now, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So all, all that big intro was basically to say, 
Uh, we did our first con. We broke our con seal last year, and we came away with some lessons learned from that experience. It's pointless if we don't review those prior to this con season. Right. And then the same thing. When this con season's over, we should collect our lessons learned, and then before our next big con, go back and, and kind of hash them out again and, and see, you know, with hindsight being twenty twenty, if those are still pertinent uh, things for us to know for the con season and for you, the listeners learning from our mistakes and getting that rehash again. Indeed. So with that, Tim, go ahead and kick us off into some of our lessons learned from last con. So what we did is we've had the con recap episode before, and towards the end of the episode, we touched on some things that we think we did right. And some things we wanted to be mindful of for the next convention season. One of the first things that came up that we did right was during our table setup, we had a monitor connected to Sam's laptop so he could sketch live at the event, which got quite a bit of attention. It drew people over to our table, which that was one of the good things that we did. Yeah, I would say not only was it just uh, an eye catcher because in itself was there, but it contrasted the other tables around us that didn't have that kind of digital setup right so if you're going to a con where everybody is has a digital display maybe you need to think of something uh, that sets yourself a little bit apart that's not that which leads us into one of the things that we wanted to be mindful for in for future conventions was keeping in mind where our table's located our table space and planning for our table in general for the location knowing whether or not there's electric there to begin with because that's we, can't, a, we can't really have Sam's <laughs> laptop and him drawing there if there's no electricity. That's a really good point. In fact, we were very fortunate at the last con that it was very uh, small, and the people that were running it kind of had like a laissez-faire attitude. Right. Um, but especially if you're running a con in a big venue where, uh, say, they're in a big convention center where who no matter who was running the con it's the convention center that makes the rules mm -hmm. you know i've seen a lot of frequently asked questions on comic book conventions uh for exhibitors and it, the the frequently asked question is do you have power available and they say contact the convention center gotcha. not yeah. contact us the people that are putting the show on uh, so that's a, a very good thing what was the other part about our table space specifically that was a lessons learned for us from the last show or from the last convention. Yes. Uh, the big thing was that we were planning on having like a huge backdrop. Yeah. We were going to have fireworks. Yeah, we were, we we were really going to have uh, our... Polynesian dancers yeah, we throwing really... fire and um, breathing fire. And there was supposed to be a guy in a Tiki God mask <laughs> running around, which had nothing uh, to do with the comic book, but that's okay. But people like bongos and he was going to be beating a set of bongos and there was going to be people doing a tightrope above our table. And when we got there, we found out we didn't have space for any of that. Didn't have space for any of it. We didn't even have space for the tripods that would set us up for the backdrop. We and that's really what we didn't have space <laughs> for. Um, but we barely had space for ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it was very tight, which was fine. It's just that we wanted uh, a live podcast. We wouldn't have had space for that. Right. Oh, I'm glad you brought up the live podcast thing. Remind us to touch on that later. Okay. Um, okay. So you can't really 
plan perfectly for your table space. You can't, you know, we can't call up Wizard World and be like, can you tell us exactly the square footage of, uh, you know, floor area that we're going to have to be able to maneuver around our table? They'll right. be like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what you have to do is plan for every eventuality. Right. So you have to, we are going to want to go into this. If we have room for the Tiki God running around with his bongos, that's great. Have the Tiki God with the bongos standing by, but also let that Tiki God know that there's a possibility that we're going to have to go to plan B where plan B is a Tiki just God. Just a tablecloth. Well, I was going to say a Tiki God shaped Pez dispenser that we're just put on the table. Yeah. Uh, which will be nice because then kids can get free candy, but right. In all seriousness, the the space you have to work with, just to plan for those kind of things, especially if you're sinking a bunch of money into elaborate uh, banners and things like that. Say you want to have a banner that you know goes over your head, or I've heard this is actually a pretty big problem when it comes to people that are exhibiting like racks that actually have merchandise on them. Mm-hmm. So say you want to pin up comics in their plastic sleeves, you know, and kind of make a wall of comics. Uh, how much rack space does that take up to be able to do that? Or are you displaying action figures, stuffed animals, those sorts of things? You know, uh, comic book conventions aren't frequented just by people that make comics. They're people that sell all sorts of stuff. Right. So uh, the, I think the if we were to give advice to the people listening, it's okay to plan big. But realize that when you get there, you may only have a table the size of the tables that you were used to at your high school cafeteria, and that's all the space you have. I'm really glad that you said that because a way to kind of put it in a nutshell, I was just reading an article about something called the planning fallacy, Mm -hmm. and this is something that's studied in uh, business and leadership. And basically what they say the planning fallacy is is people – who are successful are often optimistic, right? Right. Because they can see their future, you know, and they have plans of where they're going, but they said optimism can actually be a hindrance too, because they don't plan for things going wrong. Right. And that's the planning fallacy thinking that you, you know, your plan is going to be 100% set in stone. In fact, that bad case scenario at my job, Mm -hmm. what I was just talking about, the way I summarized it was, they said, you know, what went wrong? How can you summarize it? And I told them, you know, I set out thinking it was going to be like every other time we've done this job. Every other time we've done it, it went well. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into it planning for worst case scenario. So that doesn't mean get get scared, you know, and don't plan for things to go well. But it says have both. Right. You know, don't fall victim to that planning fallacy where you're just like you get so caught up in your interesting, great ideas uh, that you can't imagine not being able to execute that. As the Boy Scouts say, be prepared. That's right. Neither of us are Boy Scouts. I was. Were you? Yeah. I was a Cub Scout, but they kicked me out because I did a sandwich pile on a kid named David Polite. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a story for another day. That's right. I was a Boy Scout. I was a Cub Scout, and then I was a Boy Scout for like probably yes, less than a year. Now, but see, I if, was a Boy Scout. If I had planned for worst case scenario, I would have known that the teacher was going to come in and see us <laughs> giving this kid a hard time. And you then I would have I would have posted a sentry at the door. Yeah, you didn't earn your lookout badge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we want you, the listener, to learn your Comic Con preparation badge. So let's continue with our next lesson learned. One of the other lessons learned is this was something that you did well 
and that Sam didn't prepare for, and that was to make sure you have snacks or something to keep yourself sustained at the table because chances are you're going to be at that table for a long time. Right. That's a a very good point. Um, You know, they have people in structured work environments to give you breaks and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the person at the counter at McDonald's isn't at that counter for eight hours straight. Uh, They get their 15-minute break. They get their lunch break. You know, they have reliefs. Unfortunately, if it's just you or just you and a partner or Mm -hmm. even three people, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to rotate out from behind that table. Uh, So you can minimize that by... Uh, bring in some kind of snack with you, water bottles, things like that. Because uh, the way I see it, if you, you know, step away to go stand in line at a Starbucks and, you know, wait to get your little overpriced sandwich and coffee, which I love overpriced sandwiches and coffee. Sure. Um, you take all that time. It's 45 minutes of sales time that you lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but think about it this way, too. That's 45 minutes of rent you paid for that table that you didn't get to spend at it. Right. That you could, you know, as much as it sounds like hard work to stand behind the table for eight, 10 hours, it is hard work, but it's worth it. Yeah. And you're going to get out of it. What you put into it. Best way to do that. Come prepare with a meal. I remember Sam was pretty, uh, (laughs) getting pretty hungry there by the end of it. Yeah. Well, Saturday was okay because all three of us were there, and I made a run right. out to. With, there was thankfully a Breadco or yeah, it was a Breadco that was right by. I was going to say so it wasn't actually a Starbucks. Was it, it wasn't I a Starbucks. It was, it was a Panera, and I was able to. I came in with a big bag of bagels, and yeah, Sam was eating that most of the time, and that definitely helped. But yeah, it, I can't imagine if you were a solo, you know, person at a booth. I mean, there's not going to be any way to avoid leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one thing that I was interested to kind of think about this time around is I mentioned our first kind had con kind of had a laissez faire attitude, you know, about enforcing rules, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but I think a lot of these other places are sticklers like no outside food and drink. Oh, that's probably twofold. They don't want you to, you know, spill it on their floor and up the cleaning costs. But I think the main reason is, they want you to buy from the vendors that are there. Right. You know, step over to that Starbucks, step over to that hot dog stand, uh, and have to pay for, you know, a $9 cup of Coke. So with knowing that, you either A, <laughs> gotta be willing to pony out the dough for that and come up with your break relief schedule, or, or B... Have a coat with lots of inner pockets. Yeah, I was going to say, be sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Which I plan on being sneaky at Wizard World. Yeah. So. Well, when I went to Wizard World last year, there wasn't a lot of decent food there. Like There, there was like the pizza vendor, but it was so greasy yeah. at that location. The way like, I see it, it's going to be like sneaking snacks into a movie theater. You yeah. know, just got to do it that way. You I wouldn't got, uh, pull out a full you know, plate and fork and knife at a, at a movie theater. Right. You just bring something to sustain yourself. I got a cup of fruit that some of it I think was not rotten. And then a bottle of water and it cost me like six bucks or something like that. I'm thinking about just going IV for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just going to do an IV. 
<laughs> and a catheter, so you don't. You're just oh, that can really everywhere. maximize my time at the table. <laughs> See, this is why we do this. This is brilliant. You know, we got the juices flowing now. No pun intended <laughs> <laughs> about what we can do. Ew. All right. So on that disgusting note, let's move on to our next lesson learned. Uh, bring change. Oh yeah, that's definitely. You know. It's great this day and age that there are multiple ways for people to pay for stuff. You know, you have uh, cash, you have debit cards, thanks to mobile readers and things mm-hmm. like that. PayPal. You have the barter system. Um, so you can, you know, make people give away their possessions to get your product. Um, but when it comes to cash, got to have change. Got to have change. Right. Uh, you could end up shorting yourself. If you don't have proper change, that's actually best case scenario. Yeah. Your example from the last recap was you would went to a table to buy a graphic novel or a comic or something. Yeah, they were they charging have change. They were charging twelve bucks and all they had were tens and I had a twenty. And so they were like, uh, you can just have it for ten. So I'm like, okay, well, they just lost two bucks. Doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're losing two bucks on a hundred transactions, it's a lot of money. At least to me, it is. I don't know. I'm not daddy war bucks. <laughs> um, but then the worst case scenario is, and you want to plan for that worst case scenario, is that you miss the sale completely. Yeah. You know, you don't have, you the change that you have available, you can't break it evenly. Um, so that would be terrible, you know. Somebody come by, you work all that hard work into pitching to them, you know, get them interested, and then, uh, can you break a hundred? No, sorry, no. man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> no, I can't break that. Oh well, see you next time. We did. So. We did okay on change. That was something that we did all right on. Yeah, I, I remember going to the bank, and it was funny. I actually got pennies too because we were. Uh, charging 9.99 so technically i had to have pennies and mm-hmm. was that over planning maybe but i was planning for the worst case scenario where every single person would be like uh hey bro where's my penny <laughs> uh, oh you don't just want me to round up to 10 no i don't want you what do you think i'm daddy warbucks <laughs> give me my penny so I-, I brought enough pennies for uh the books that we had to sell pennies and for everybody there, there were a couple people that i said um, would you like your penny, sir, ma'am? And they were like, you're damn straight. <laughs> so I gave them their penny. But yeah, that's a that's a good point. So let's talk about recording a live podcast. This is not something that we learned a lesson, so to speak, except that last con, obviously we do a podcast. <laughs> you're right. listening to it right now. In case you uh, didn't know. If and if you, you just know, stumbled by, hey, welcome to the show. If you don't know that we're doing a podcast right now, I don't know what the <laughs> heck is going on. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, we do a podcast and we had talked like in the nth hour last time, you know, like right before kickoff of our convention that oh man, it'd be cool to do some sort of podcast interview, something and you know, we started, the logistics kind of overwhelmed us before we even really thought about it. Yeah. Um, but you could speak more to that, I think. We uh, we wanted to go in. We wanted to do the live podcast, maybe just like jump on the mic for five minutes at a time, talk about things that were going on, not like sit there for the whole eight hours we were there and 
prattle on and you listen right. to us sell to people because that would get tiresome. No, but what I want to do this time, especially if all three of us are there, mm-hmm. is instead of trying to do a live podcast, I think this is more feasible and could be a lot of fun, is trying to collect little interview sound bites from the con floor via some sort of mobile recording, whether it's using an iPhone with a microphone plugged into it that you can just walk up to people. And actually, we had that idea for that super secret project. Remember what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. So now aren't you intrigued? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to come back and listen after we do our con. So we want to prepare for that this time around. Right. Not in the nth hour. Right. So do you have any thoughts on that? I think the best way to do it is to try to find some decent microphone that we can just plug into a smartphone or iPod or even my iPad or something like that and use that because what we were we were going to go uh just full bore we were going to have the microphones that basically the same setup we have here except we just run it off of a laptop instead of my Mac complete with microphone stands all that just would have taken up a bunch of room yeah it would have taken up tons of room and drawn a lot of power and things like that and now i'm wondering if we try to do this do we want to do the old uh you know journalist style i speak into the microphone and now tell me what you think and then you stick the microphone in their face you know and then you're back and forth or is there another way to get around that they have attached like a clip on we could do that. We could try that. That was one of the things I wanted to do if we were going to have a bigger setup was that we'd have like headsets because those are the microphones are more omnidirectional or not. I'm sorry, not omnidirectional, more uh, focused, I know what you're, focused on the mouth. Yeah, I know so, what you're getting at. Um, the other thing I was wondering because conventions are loud. Yeah, they're very loud. There's got to be something we can look into, you mm-hmm. know, uh what kind of mic no no they put like foam over it or something like that yeah there's things like that there's also uh things that like attach right to like the base of the iphone and then there's like two microphones that like cross oh i say like a lot but uh yeah so those are kind of crossing like an x pattern yeah so one's facing the person you're talking to and one's facing back at you yeah and i think what happens it phases out the other side of the audio so it's that's probably our best option yeah i'd I'd like to look into into how much those cost and um yeah because what i was going to say was the best way to hold it might be instead of jamming it back and forth into the person's face is Mm -hmm. you see those news conferences you know where the reporter has the look of total disinterest on their face you know and they're just kind of like holding up Sometimes it is an iPhone, you know, and they're just kind of holding it and pointing it towards, you know, mm-hmm. the person that's talking. Um, that could almost just work, almost the ambient uh, sound from the iPhone. Yeah. Of course, we want to get as good quality as we can. Surprisingly, the iPad episode that we did for Mouse turned out pretty decent. Yeah, go back and look at that. That was two episodes ago. I don't and know if that would work in a convention because, like we said, it was loud, but. Right. So we'll want to get something like that. Uh, two-way, two different directions on the mic. Yeah, we'll definitely need to look into that. I'd like to do more live tweeting as well. Like a lot, Just really bang, oh, yeah, on, the, for bang sure. on the social networking the entire time we're there, too. We definitely will. Um, the, our comic-centric audience is probably getting tired of hearing us talk about podcasts. Okay. Um, let me tell you about someone who's awesome. 
Audible.com. Yes, that's a someone to me because they're <laughs> like a friend. I listen to Audible books on my iPhone all the time. I do it while I'm you know, doing household chores on my commute to work, sometimes at work. If I'm, you know, doing a kind of a hands-on task where I'm not interacting with people, I'll just listen to Audible. And I'll tell you what, you can get just about any genre of book from nonfiction, fantasy, sci-fi, swashbuckling sword fights. You can get romance. You can get old-time radio programs, all these different things at your fingertips and free. How can you beat that? Go to audibletrial.com slash showmecomics and you can get a free audiobook. I recommend going for the really expensive one first. Some of these things uh, can range to like 40 or $50. You can steal that thing for free on some of these really long books if you just go there and do that right now. But there are plenty of affordable books. and We're going to tell you about one right now, which you could either pick up for free or buy for fourteen ninety five. Since we're talking about having a good plan and actually thinking of yourself, not just as in somebody, I'm just going to go to a con and have fun, but somebody wants to plan for success at a comic book convention. Uh, this is called Conquer the Entrepreneur's Kryptonite, Simple Strategic Planning for You and Your Business. I chose this for two reasons. Can you guess the first one? Kryptonite? Yes, because this is a comic book-centric <laughs> podcast. When I saw the word kryptonite, I chose it. But also because, in all seriousness... Whether you're an artist or a writer or a, a podcast digital media producer, we're all entrepreneurs until someone's hiring you um, for a full-time staff position at Marvel or DC right. or something like that. But, I mean, you talk to any of the image guys, they're still entrepreneurs. They have to do most of the things uh, themselves, think of themselves as a business. And you, as the aspiring comic book creator, should think of yourself as an entrepreneur because you are. Don't shortchange yourself. You're doing something pretty awesome. Uh, so long story short, what this book talks about is uh, people who overplan and don't execute and people that have no plan at all and how to find the happy medium. And that's what we're talking about, planning for success at our comic book convention season. So real quick synopsis is... Let's find the happy middle ground, the sweet spot that combines planning and action. It's sure to be more than scribbles on a napkin, but far less than an overstuffed binder. What is it that you want to achieve? Publish your own comics? Get hired by Marvel or DC? Doesn't say that. I'm improvising. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not going to be easy. Not if it's something big worth doing right. But it can be made easier, and in doing so, make it look like it was easy to anyone who didn't see the blood and sweat you poured into your idea. Let's get to work. People are going to see us at these comic book conventions and are going to go, man, they're awesome. How do they do it so effortlessly? But they didn't listen to the podcast because they would know we're obsessing over it for about 45 minutes in this <laughs> podcast. So I highly recommend, take, don't just take a cue for us. Don't just take our word for it. Go get your book from audibletrial.com slash showmecomics. Okay, so the best way to wrap this up, I think, is with a, a success story hmm? um, that I would like to tell. We went to our first con, and this this goes into networking, okay? If you go back and listen to our post-con uh, podcast from last year, what was that, around middle of September, into September? Something like that. I don't remember. I want to say it was episode seven, but don't quote me on that. We can link to it in the show notes. Anyway, if you go back and listen to that, we'll talk about networking to greater degree. 
Oh, what I would like to talk about is the importance of networking as highlighted through a success story. So when we went to that first con, there was a, a panel of writers, comic writers. Okay. And while I said earlier you want to minimize that time you're away from the table, I thought, you know what, this is something that's worthwhile for me to actually take that time away and leave Sam abandoned and doing the pee-pee dance, having to go to the bathroom and hungry, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because this could be a good opportunity to network, whether it's with uh, other people that were attending the panel, because if it's a panel about writing comics, those are going to be fellow writers. Sure. Uh, or the A-list comic book writers that were there as the panel guests. So I went to this thing, and... Uh, The first thing that I did right was I knew this panel was coming up. I had paid some money to get, you know, into it to make sure that I got a spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the thing I really did right is before I got there, I started thinking about if I get a question on the panel, what would I like to ask? You know, not uh, something cheesy, you know, like. Do you think Superman should have wore trunks in Man of Steel? <laughs> you know, instead, I wanted to ask something, you know, craft-oriented uh, about how I get better. I mean, this is your... You have five seconds to ask a question. And if you really want to get good information from these people, uh, it's a cliche saying, but you want a better answer, get a better... Or ask a better question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I advise you people that attend panels, and it's people that you really admire or look up to, Take time to craft your question because you might get up to that microphone and you might get one shot to ask it. Make sure you don't waste it. So my question was going to be something along the lines of, and I don't remember how exactly I asked it. I just know that it was really eloquent and impressive. (laughs) Birds flew and landed on your shoulder. And there was a tiki guy doing backflips <laughs> with flaming torches. No, I, I did ask it very professionally and very well. But it was basically along the lines of, how is somebody who's just trying to start out as a comic book writer uh, network or get somebody that can act like a mentor who's giving quality feedback? Because if I go and take my comic book script to my friend, they're going to say, oh, that's really great. You know, right? Because they're my friend; they don't write comics. Or I take it to another comic book writer who's at the same skill level as me. Well, they can say uh, there's something off, but I don't really know how to fix it because I'm at the same skill level as you. Mm-hmm. So that was the gist of my question, and what I so I asked them, you know, how best do you approach getting kind of a like a a mentor to take a look at your work, somebody that can actually give you feedback that will help you. And they gave me a bunch of answers. In fact, I, I think I wrote about it in uh, the blog that you can go to at showmecomics.com. The <laughs> blog was uh, about the panel called Us Make Comic Words, so go check that out. Uh, but what was interesting was after the panel all broke away, I walked out into the parking lot, and there was Fabian Nicieza, which for those people that don't know who he is, he wrote X-Men, he wrote Superman, he wrote Turok. He wrote tons of titles at Marvel, at DC, at many other comic companies, you know, like Dark Horse and such. Big name in the comics industry. He was an editor for Marvel. 
all sorts of stuff. So the guy's pretty heavy hitter, you know. Right. Um, saw him in the parking lot, and he turned around to me, and he said something along the lines of him. I can't quote verbatim, mm-hmm. but that question that you asked really kind of struck a chord with me uh, because I noticed that mentoring isn't something that I've done a lot because I was the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to necessarily train a replacement or somebody that was vying for my job. He said, but I'm coming to the end of my career. He said, here's my email address, you know, uh, get in contact with me. I'll send you some of my scripts. And then if, and when you feel comfortable, uh, you can send me your completed work and I'll take a look at it. And I thought, Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, I took his, uh, took his email address. And then when he walked away, the first thing that I kind of thought was, yeah, right. You know, like I'm going to write this guy. He's not going to write back. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a very busy guy. I'm sure he gets tons of attention from wannabe comic writers and comic book fans and things like that. So after the convention, I sent him an email, you know, Hey, you know, Mr. Nicieza, you mentioned uh, that you would send me some of your scripts. Bam. Within like a day, he sent me, uh, pitches that he did for DC. He sent me a full script that he wrote for uh, an issue of Superman and an issue of Red Robin. And it was pretty cool to see this insight of, hey, this is an actual in-house DC script, you know, that a pro writer wrote, and it got published into a comic. It was really neat. I went on Comixology, and I bought the exact copies of the scripts that he gave me. And I was, oh, okay. so I can sit there and look and read, oh, here's the finished product and here's the script, you know, that he gave me. Very cool. Uh, success right there, you know, but it doesn't stop. So then I sent him, uh, an email that said, Hey, you know, you also said that, uh, well, first I thanked him. And then I said, you mentioned, uh, that since I had a completed work, you wouldn't mind taking a look at it. And he, so I included an attachment of the PDF file of our whole graphic novel. The entire thing? Both parts? Well, the part that we have finished. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I sent that to him, and not the script, the finished product. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And a month went by, and I didn't hear anything. I'm like, oh, Uh yeah, suspicion confirmed, (laughs) just like I thought, you know. Don't have time for the little guy, which is understandable. You know, like I said, I'm sure they get bombarded all the time. Another month went by, and here's where I had an internal debate, a mortal combat with my soul. (laughs) Do I send another email and become the creepy guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or do I just say, eh, well, you know, he was nice enough to send me those scripts. And I thought about it, and eventually after a little while I was like, what a wuss, you know? Like, this is somebody that you don't know. So who cares right. if, you know, you reach out again and he thinks you're a creeper. The worst thing you do is burn a bridge for a future comic book writer. <laughs> and, oh, well, that's not me. So flame on. I don't think um, if a month goes by, it's creepy. Yeah. So I, I sent him an email that said, you know, worded it very carefully, not trying to be a creeper. You know, it wasn't like, hey, Mr. Nisius, I thought we really had something going on. I thought on. we were BFFs. Yeah. I follow you on Twitter and everything. No kidding. Oh, man. Where's love? <laughs> No, it was very professional, and it was funny. He emailed me back and said, 
oh my god basically you know mm-hmm. paraphrasing here but oh my god thank you for contacting me again he's like the my computer got corrupted you know and i couldn't open the file of the pdf and also you know the corruption i couldn't find your email address you know to ask for it again and he's like thank you very much for contacting me and i was like so I just wrote him an email back saying, hey, as if somebody works in the IT industry, I completely, you know, understand that uh, these things go wrong. And he said, you know, I'm very sorry about that. I will get you feedback this week. And so sure enough, a few days later, he sent me back an email and it was not the kind of email where it's like, hey, good job, kid. Keep working at it. Right. You know, or. Uh, you might want to not quit your day job. <laughs> it was an editor's notes. Okay. It was super insightful, gave me, um, you know, constructive criticism about uh, dialogue and some of the things that I did wrong there, uh, some possible plotting things that I could take a look at. Super long, detailed email, which first of all told me he actually read it. Right. Because he was citing, like, character names, you know, and uh points in the plot that happened and i was like what a nice guy you know super impressive or, or i was super impressed that um he said what he said and then he meant what he said and and acted on it um that was pretty cool That's and he did cool. not have to do that he went way out of his way uh, and i think that that information will help me become a better writer so that is my success story. That's a really good story. Yeah, I mean, there are people that enter contests to get notes from a real editor, you know. And I, through networking, was able to get insightful editor criticism from a guy that was a top editor at Marvel. Right. It was pretty cool. Very cool. And be professional. Don't be creepy. Right. So that's my success story to inspire you guys, you know, at cons to sometimes, A, take those chances by attending panels. B, think out your questions or think out not just panels, you know, but your interactions with people because you can interact with them at the table, too. Um, But you hear a lot of times advice for writers and artists like show your portfolio, you know, uh, do all these things. I think people get it in their head that, oh, I'm going to walk up with my portfolio, show them, and they're going to say, when can you start? Yeah. You know? Do the next big thing. Yeah. Forget that other artist. He's fired. You know? You, you're hired. Who's Greg Horn? You're our number one gal. Come on. You're you're taking us right to the top. When in reality, um, what I got from Fabian Nicieza wasn't like a winning lottery ticket, but it was extremely valuable. Cool. You know, and rare, mm. um, I would say, but not rare if you put the effort in, because that was basically my first time trying to network with, uh, you know, somebody that was actually a part of the business, and it worked. So we'll see this year at con season if that was a fluke. Right. <laughs> Maybe I can make some more contacts. So anyway, pretty cool, and hope for you out there, the aspiring comic book convention networker, it can happen to you. And on behalf of myself and Jordan, we're Show Me Comics, wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. And since this is a convention-centric episode, you should know that Show Me Comics will be at Wizard World St. Louis, April 4th, 5th, and 6th. And for all the news about what we're doing at these conventions, follow us on Twitter, at Show Me Comics. Also visit us on Facebook, 
at facebook.com slash Hafu Graphic Novel. And go to our website. Pick up your own copy of Hafu for $9.99 plus shipping and handling. Showmancomics.com. And also, if you're in the area to see us at the cons, go ahead and come by and find out how we're uh, full of it. We didn't learn from any of our lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, completely botch the con. And then you will know, wow, what they said was really true. If they would have adhered to their lessons learned, if they would have queried that database, they would have avoided having that Tiki God set himself on fire. <laughs>